Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. On Wednesday, we began a new year. Actually, it was a new decade. And uh, many of you will have made New Year's resolutions. Put your hand up if you made some New Year's resolutions this year, about six of you. That is uh, very awesome. Yeah, New Year's resolutions, something that you want to change in your life in 2020. Maybe you want to be skinnier or stronger. You want to do more exercise or watch less TV. You want to work less and play more. You want to give up smoking or snacking or shoplifting or Snapchatting and you want to learn to, to sew or to surf or to sail or to skydive or if you're a bit beyond skydiving, maybe to play shuffleboard. But whatever it is, you know, a, a rev- resolution is something that you didn't manage to achieve in 2019, but you believe in 2020 is the year. And maybe a whole bunch of you didn't make New Year's resolutions but because you know that most of them fail. Change is actually really hard. You know, habits are hard to break. Hurts are hard to heal. History is hard to erase. And so the new thing that you want to see happen in your life is actually a good thing. But change is really, really hard work. Uh, Today we're actually starting a a new series across all of our campuses that will run for the next four weeks and this new series is simply called New. Now God doesn't really say anything about New Year's resolutions but he actually says a lot in his word about doing a new thing in our lives, about making us new, about making all things new, about giving us a new birth about putting a new heart within us, putting a new song within our mouth. And so maybe, you know, God, who is the same yesterday, today and forever, is actually also a God of new beginnings. His nature never changes. His love is absolutely steadfast. His love will never run out He will be faithful to the very end. He's a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But he is a God of new beginnings, and he's always wanting to do something new in our lives to make us more like Christ. He is wanting to do something new in your life this year to make you more like Jesus. And so over the next few weeks as we begin this new year, uh, we're in this new series called New. I've got no idea whether you're going to get skinnier, smarter, spend more time at the gym. I hope you stop shoplifting if that's what you've been doing. But what I do know, because it's a promise in God's Word, is that He will do something new in your life if you surrender to Him. He'll do something new in your life if you let Him. It might not be a new resolution that will bring new life change, but it might actually be a new revelation of who Jesus is. You see, a new revelation of Christ 
actually brings new life in Christ. A new revelation of the unchanging nature of Christ actually brings a new life of serving him and his purposes. I want to read this morning from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to start at verse 15. And it says, He, who is Jesus, died for everyone so that those who receive his new life, see, he wants to give us new life, will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they'll live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. So we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. But how differently we know him now. Wouldn't it be good if at the end of 2020 we could say those last words like, like Paul does in Corinthians? I knew this much of Christ at the beginning of the year. But how differently I know him now. How, how much more I know now. Because I can tell you one thing for sure. You don't know all there is to know about Jesus yet. I don't care whether you've been following Jesus for five minutes or 50 years. You do not know everything there is to know about Jesus yet. We're, we're living in an age of ongoing revelation. It's not that Jesus ever changes, but he day by day reveals himself to us and it's a new revelation of Christ that will actually bring and gives us new power for new life in Christ. It's out of a new revelation of Christ that there is power for change. You know, Paul says once we view Jesus merely from a human point of view, some people saw him as a, you know, a good teacher, a good rabbi, a good miracle worker, a good bloke. You know, others saw him you know, as a troublemaker, as an insurgent, as a crucified criminal. We, we simply saw him from a human point of view. But how differently we know him now. We've, we've had revelation from heaven. We now know that Jesus Christ truly is the son of the living God. That he died on a cross to forgive our sins and he rose from the dead on the third day and he's alive today. And when you have that new revelation of Christ, you no longer live for yourself. You actually have the power to live for others, to, to serve others, to serve his purposes. You see, change is really hard. But a new revelation of Christ actually gives you power to change, power to live a new life. You know, when I was 13, I, I, I got a revelation from heaven, a vision from heaven. I was sitting in the back row of a church in Sydney and onto stage came an angelic being. You know, she was wearing a blue girls' brigade uniform and she had big, buffy hair and kind of a halo around her head, and she was smoking hot. And, and, and there was this kind of light from heaven. And I just remember sitting at the back of church going, I'm going to marry that woman one day. And, and I did. And she's preaching at our city campus this morning, so I can say whatever I want. And, but you know, that, that new revelation from heaven, actually changed the way I live. You see, I started 
wearing clean clothes. As a 13-year-old boy, big change. I, I started taking, you know, some pride in my appearance. I started brushing my hair. In fact, this is still embarrassing to admit, I started using product in my hair. You know, I, I started caring about what I looked like. I started showering more than once a week. I started using deodorant as a 13-year-old as a boy. Now, my mum had been harping on about me doing all of these things for 12 months, but I did not do a jolly thing that she said. But when I got a revelation from heaven, it changed the way I lived. Now, we might all have some stories like that as a teenage boy of the, the power of a new revelation of a teenage girl. But I tell you, the revelation of Jesus Christ and who he is from heaven, that is where there is true power for change. It doesn't matter how often you've been sitting there going, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, I've got to be better, I've got to be skinnier, I've got to be stronger, I've got to be more well-behaved. doesn't matter how much someone else is harping onto you about doing those same things. That kind of change is hard. But when you get a revelation from heaven, there's power for change. Peter needed revelation from heaven. He was watching Jesus teach and heal and, per, and perform miracles. And along comes Jesus one day and he says to him, Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi and he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. A human point of view. It's exactly what Paul's talking about. Some say you're a teacher. Some say you're a prophet. You're a miracle worker. Then Jesus says, what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. This wasn't just people talking to you about this. This is not come from a human revelation, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. You know, Peter had a revelation that Jesus Christ was not just a good bloke, a good teacher, but he was actually the Son of the living God. And because he had that revelation, Jesus gave him a new purpose to fulfill. He says, you, I'm going to build my church you know, upon your testimony of the revelation of who I am. But it wasn't too long before Peter just messed up supreme. I, I mean, at, when Jesus really needed him, you know, Peter, this so-called rock, was nowhere to be seen. He was so scared of this servant girl who had identified him as one of Jesus' followers, that he denied even knowing who Jesus was, not once, not twice, but three times. And after they saw, you know, Jesus crucified, and they're feeling, not just Peter, but all the disciples, they're feeling despondent, disappointed, ashamed, embarrassed. They presumed that the call of God on their lives was over. 
This, this was the end. And, and so we see in John's gospel that they simply went back to what they used to do. They went back to fishing. And, and once again, they're out fishing and they've caught nothing, just like the time Jesus first called them. And just like the time Jesus first called them, he turns up on the beach and he says, throw your nets out the other side. And when they do what Jesus says, they catch such a large number of fish that they can barely get them in to shore. And Jesus, who has just been, you know, deserted by his best friends, acts as a beautiful picture of the grace of God. He sits on the beach and he cooks his mates breakfast, the ones who have just turned their, their back on him. And you see, what Jesus is doing here, he is recreating the original miracle of when he first called them to follow him because he's now reinstating them into that calling. And he's giving them a revelation of the God of second chances. He goes to Peter particularly, and he says, Peter, do you love me? And he says, Jesus, you know that I love you. Jesus says, I'll feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Jesus, you know that I love you. Well, Peter, feed my sheep. Doesn't just say it once, doesn't say it twice, he says it three times. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Jesus, you know that I love you. Feed my sheep. Jesus is recreating the past to reinstate them into a new calling. He's a God of second chances. You see, the revelation that Peter had on the beach that day as he is downcast and, and his head is down of the Son of God coming along and grabbing him by the shoulders and said, if you still love me, get on with what I've called you to do because I still loved you. And he lifts his head up. And this new revelation of Jesus as the God of second chances that changed Peter's life. We see in the weeks to come, Peter who was so scared in the past becomes the man who stands up and preaches the gospel for the very first time. 3,000 people get saved and the birth the church is birthed 2,000 years ago and in the last 2,000 years through all the trials and tribulations and stupid things that we've done, mistakes that we've made, Jesus continues to give us all a second chance and his church is still alive and it's still growing and the gates of hell has not been able to overcome it yet and it never will because he's a God of second chances. And maybe this morning you're walking in here and your head is down and you're despondent, you're embarrassed, you're ashamed. You haven't just stuffed up once, twice, three times, four times, five times. And you're wondering if somehow that's, that's reduced the call of God on your life. That God is done with you. Maybe this morning you need that same revelation of Jesus taking you by the shoulders, of lifting your head and saying, if you still love me, then get on with it because I still love you. You know, Paul, who wrote 2 Corinthians 5 that we just read, 
needed a new revelation of who Jesus was. He truly saw Jesus from a human point of view. And it wasn't a good one. He saw Jesus as an insurgent, as a troublemaker, as a crucified criminal. And yet despite all of that, despite his death on a cross, there was still this band of troublemakers that were following Jesus' way. They became known as the way. And so he took it upon himself to wipe them out. And he's on the road to Damascus. And at this point, he's leading what you would call an egocentric life. You see him describe it later on. You know, he says, you know, I was completely trusting in, in my education, in my pedigree, in my own righteousness. I was a Jew. I was one of God's chosen people. I wasn't just any ordinary Jew. I was a student of Gamaliel. You know, he's kind of the, the, the greatest of, of teachers. You know, I was a Pharisee. I was the most righteous of the righteous. According to following the law, I was as zealous as anybody. He was living an egocentric life. He thought his good works was all that was required and he was going to be okay with God because of his good works. But he has a completely different revelation than what Peter had. Paul is, is walking chest out, head up, shoulders, you know, set back, ready to take on the world because he's the man. And he has this revelation of Jesus who meets him on the road to Damascus and he's pushed back onto his backside. He's completely floored by Jesus. And he's looking up at this bright light, completely powerless. And Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul says, who are you? And Jesus introduces himself as the risen one, the living one, the one who is Lord of all. And not only does Paul get a second chance, but he has such a powerful revelation of Jesus as he's sitting on his backside. And he's realizing that all of his good works amount to nothing. All of the power that he possessed as a leader of the Pharisees amounts to nothing in the presence of the risen Jesus. And he begins this new revelation sitting on his backside, looking up at the power of Jesus, a whole new chapter of his life. It's kind of like before the revelation is chapter 1, after the revelation, chapter 2. I'm not the man of power. I'm nothing compared to Jesus. My life is no longer about me. It's all about him. My good works, my righteousness are just filthy rags compared to his holiness and brilliance. And he says, not that I've yet obtained all that I want to be, not that I've become all that I want to be, but all I want to know now is to know Christ. It's all I want. Everything else is superfluous to know in Jesus Christ. And Jesus calls this man that was so arrogant, 
so self-centered, so egocentric to be the man that he would use to go into dark places that have never, ever heard about Jesus and shine a light to the gospel. I just believe there's some of us here. The revelation that you have of Jesus might not be as dramatic as Paul's, but I just believe there's some of us here today. And it's time for chapter 2. You've lived chapter 1. All about you. It's all about what you can do, how you can perform. It's all about trying to meet other people's expectations. And chapter 2 is all about coming to Jesus and going, I'm flawed in your presence. i got nothing. I'm desperately in need of you. I believe he just wants to write some chapter 2s in this room. He's calling some people to walk into dark places and shine a light for the gospel. And you're going to be completely dependent on him. John needs a new revelation of Jesus. This is now years later. Now John has seen Jesus perform miracles and seen him, seen him teach. And he's written a whole book about how Jesus is the Son of God. doesn't see him from a human point of view. He believes that he's the Son of God and writes a book to help others understand that, he, that he's the Son of God. But, but 40 years later, you know, after Jesus has died on the cross, risen from the dead and promised to come again, Jesus still hasn't come again. And it feels like the world is spinning out of control and evil is winning and Jesus is powerless. And John gets this new revelation. Jesus doesn't just lift his head. He doesn't floor him. But he actually takes him up into heaven. And he gives him a revelation of the heavenly realms. And what John sees is that Jesus is no longer a suffering servant riding on a donkey with a crown of thorns placed upon his head. Jesus is now the reigning and victorious king. He's riding a horse. He's got a sword in his hand and, and he's dripped in blood. He is the reigning victor and on him is written King of kings and Lord of lords. And he is crowned with many crowns. And he has all power and all authority in his hands. He has control over the world. He has control over time. And in the midst of all the suffering that's happening in the world, he says there will be a time where I come again as king and make all things new. And I'm calling all of you in the midst of the suffering that you're in to stand firm in your faith because there's a reward coming and you don't want to miss out. And it was a really important message for the church of the time who were living under Emperor Nero and Emperor Domitian who insisted on being worshipped as gods. And, and, and if... Christians didn't bow down and worship and declare that Caesar is Lord, then they were being burnt alive, sawn in two, beheaded, imprisoned, persecuted. And it was a time where they needed that new revelation of the reigning king 
to see from an eternal perspective that there will be trials and tribulations, but Jesus is still king and he will come again. And in the midst of the trials and tribulations we're facing in our nation right now, I don't mean this coldly, but we shouldn't be surprised. I mean, 2,000 years ago, Jesus said there will be wars and there'll be rumors of wars and there'll be natural disasters spread through the world. It's what is going to happen. And for some, during those disasters, their love will grow cold and they'll turn their back on their faith. But Jesus says, don't do that. Don't let your love grow cold. Stand firm in your faith. And I want to encourage you in this season in our nation, do not let your love grow cold. Don't let your love for God grow cold. Don't let your love for people that are suffering grow cold. Stand firm in your faith. Jesus is the King. And there is suffering that we're going to walk through right now. But one day, he will make all things new. There'll be no more broken bodies, no more broken relationships, no more broken earth. He'll make all things new. And you don't want to miss out. Right now, love God, love people, stand firm in your faith. You know, if you feel like your world is spinning out of control and evil is winning, maybe right now you need a new revelation as Jesus is the eternal king. You don't know everything there is to know about Jesus yet. And you won't get a new revelation if you don't read his word. Let me make this really practical for us today. People's love will grow cold. Our faith will falter if we're not building our lives upon his word. That's why we're doing this Bible reading plan every day, just spending time in his word. There's a whole bunch of different ways to do that. But you'll see in it this year, if you download it online or you just can't get one off the, off the uh, welcome desk, you'll see in it just a soap method of reading the Bible. And I, I would say here today, it has been the most transforming discipline in my life in the last 15 years, to become more like Christ. So it simply stands for Scripture. Read a bit of Scripture that we put in here until you get to a point where Jesus is just speaking to you. It might be a, a verse, it might be a phrase, it might be a chapter. Write it out. Take the time to write it out. O is just for observation. Observe. What is happening in this bit of Scripture? A is for application. Write down how you're going to put this into practice in your life. And P is simply a prayer that you write down. Uh, this is for everyone. But can I just say, particularly to blokes, we're not good at journaling in general. This has been so powerful for me. Actually being still enough to stop and to write and to reflect on what God's saying to me. It's transformed me. It's given me new revelations of who Jesus is. You won't get a new revelation of Jesus without reading his word. You've got to get into it some way, somehow this year. We're just trying to make it as easy for you as we can. A new revelation will lead to new life in Christ and a new relationship with Christ will make you a new creation in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, This means that everyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone, a new life has begun. 
Or in the NIV, it says, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Fantastic promise. If you belong to Christ, you've got a new relationship with him as Lord and Saviour. It's a new creation. The old life is gone. The new has come. Incredibly encouraging verse. I think sometimes it can also be a depressing verse. Because sometimes we read that and we go, man, I've got all these old things still in my life I don't want. I've got old habits. I've got old behaviours. I've got old hurts that are still hanging around. Maybe Jesus doesn't really work. Or maybe Jesus just doesn't work for me. Or maybe Jesus doesn't like me. Because I haven't yet become this new creation. I want to just look at three words today that I hope both encourage us and challenge us. The three words are this, begun, say them with me, begun, belong, become. Begun, belong, become. Let's have a look at this uh, photo on the screen. Who can tell me what it is? Penguin, eagle, whether we're not sure what it is or not, can we all agree this morning a new life has begun? Say it with me. A new life has And it belongs to a family. It's called the Acapetridae family. That family will protect it and nurture it and care for it while it's young. Can we all agree it belongs to a family already? But one day, it will become, this flightless little fluff ball will become a mighty bird that soars longer and flies higher than any other bird. Another one. Who can tell me what this is? Anyone know? Panda. Well done, Ada. Just hoping to get some wrong answers first. But can we all agree? A new life has begun. It belongs to a family. It's called the Ursidae family that would protect it and nurture it. But this ugly little thing will one day become a beautiful bear that is desired and admired the world over. It actually only lives in this little tiny dot on the globe in China. There's only about 2,000 of them left in the wild. But the whole world knows about the beauty of a panda bear. What about this next one? If you get this one, you're doing well, Ada. Anyone know what that is? Can we all agree a new life has? It has a family that it? It belongs to the Cupressaceae family. <laughs> I don't know if I've said any of them right. But this puny little weed is one day going to become a strong, majestic sequoia tree, 85 metres high, possibly lived to 3,000 years old. Now that, that little baby eagle and that little baby panda and that little ba baby sequoia doesn't sit there and go, I got to, I got to, I, I got to become bigger and stronger and more beautiful. No, new life has begun. 
belongs to a family where they get nurtured and protected in all different ways. And within them is everything that they need to become what God's intended for them if they're placed in the right environment. One more. Who do you think this is? That's me. I belong to a crazy family that looks like this, the Ellsmore family. But I also belong to this family, the Gateway family. I've belonged to this family for the last 16 years and you've nurtured me, encouraged me, protected me. And I'd like to think that 16 years later, I've become a little bit more like Jesus, a little more loving, a little more secure in myself, a little more patient, a little more kind, a little more joy-filled. You see, this is the important thing when we look at verses like 2 Corinthians chapter 5. What Paul is saying is when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, a new life has begun. No one and nothing can change that. You belong to a new family where you get protected and nurtured and and, and encouraged and nothing can change that. And, And everything that God has intended for you to become is within you. And change is possible when you are placed in the right environment to grow. Can I encourage you at the start of the year, put yourself in the right environment for growth. Put yourself in a place, a family, where you'll get encouraged, nurtured, protected. I've been saying this for 16 years. Make a commitment at the beginning of the year. Come together to worship once a week. Be committed to one of our campuses, one of our services somewhere. Find one place to serve in 2020 and be in one life group, one little family that will encourage you and spur you on in 2020 to become all that God has called you to be. We're still becoming like Christ. And he's got something more he wants to do in your life this year. So your new relationship with Christ makes you a new creation in Christ. Let me just finish with something old. It's the old message of reconciliation is actually still giving others new life in Christ. This is what Paul goes on to say in 2 Corinthians 5. He says all of this, this new relationship, this new revelation we have of God, it's all a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Important task. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making, listen to these words, he's making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Now this is a season of backyard cricket. Who has played cricket in the backyard sometime in the last few weeks? A bunch of you. And I don't know what your games of backyard cricket are like, but ours in our family are quite passionate And and in cricket, 
When somebody else makes a mistake, when somebody breaks the rules, we appeal. And there's all different sorts of appeal, but in our backyard, there's some very passionate appeals and different types of appeals. You know, there is the pant splitter appeal. How's that? And you've got to be wearing your stretch chinos when you do that appeal because I have hurt my back and it could split my pants. You know, then there is the, there is the pleading with the umpire appeal. How's that? Pleading with the umpire. And then there's the star jump appeal. How's that? Does that happen in your backyard too? Just mine. You know, we get very passionate about our appeal. And it doesn't really matter what type of appeal you use. It's the same old message. I just want to ask you, are you making a passionate appeal? Are you making a passionate appeal for people to come back to God? I've watched some of you over Christmas make a passionate appeal. I've watched some of you, you know, invite friends to our Christmas services. I met some people who invited 17 friends, filled up a whole row because they wanted them to hear the gospel. There's others of you that have told your story with others over Christmas. You just shared your story of what Jesus has done in your life because you want, you're making an appeal to others to come back to God. There's others of you who just love pointing people to Scripture, helping people understand, get a revelation of who Jesus is from Scripture. Others of you really love defending the gospel in a, in a, in a world that's turning its back on, on Jesus. Others of you, you, know, you get all excited, your heart races, and, and uh, you've got this, this joy in your heart as you simply come alongside people doing it really tough in life and pray for them. Even if they don't know Jesus, just that opportunity to pray and minister to people. Can, can I just encourage you? Whatever it is that, you know, brings joy in your heart, whatever it just brings that nervous anticipation, whatever it is, that just this passion overflowing out of you, just do it in 2020. This old message of reconciliation that Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, became sin for us so that we could know righteousness with God. We could be made right with God. Jesus died on the cross to forgive your sins. There's nothing you can do to add to it or subtract for it, from it. It's only Jesus that can make you right with God. It's an old message. It hasn't changed in 2,000 years. God in his grace lets us make an appeal in a whole bunch of different ways. But this old message is still the only message that can bring new life. It's the only message that can change a human heart. I still believe that with everything within me. The gospel of Jesus Christ is still the same old message that can change a human heart today. It is the only hope for our nation. The gospel of Jesus Christ who lived and died and rose again. Make a passionate appeal in 2020 for people to come back to God so that others can find new life in Christ that you've found.
I just want to give you an opportunity this morning. If you're here and you... New year, and you're just saying, today's my day to come back to God. Today's my day to start anew with God. I want that new life in Christ. I want Jesus to forgive my sins. I, I want to start anew with God. I'm just going to ask everyone to close their eyes and bow their heads. And this morning, if you're here and you'd like to put your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour, I want to lead you in a prayer in how you can begin that new life. There's still a whole lot more that will happen to become who God's called you to be, but it will begin it today. Can I just get you today, if this is the first time you've ever put your faith in Jesus or your first time in a long time you've walked away from him, just to stick up your hand and say, I want to pray that prayer. Just stick your hand up, just wherever I can see it this morning. I want to lead you in that prayer this morning. Who's here today? And you just say, that's my prayer today. I bless you. That's awesome. Who else today? Bless you. Good work. Who else today? There's others here today. I just know today is your day to put your faith in Jesus, to receive salvation today. Who else today? I'll give you one more chance if that's you, if you're here. Bless you. Hey, if it's you today, can you just pray along with me? Just pray in the quietness of your heart. Father God, thank you. Thank you for always loving me. I'm sorry for the way that I've sinned against you. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me. Please forgive me today. I receive new life in Christ today and choose to follow you from this day forward. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, can we just put our hands together and just encourage those men and women today? Can I encourage you, if that is you, to uh, just head to our welcome lounge at the end of our service. We've just got some information we'd love to give you to help you get started in, uh, in following Jesus and knowing that new life in Christ. Can we all stand together this morning? We're, we're going to sing an old song. In some ways, it might be the oldest song that we sing. It's got new, uh, a new tune. This is the Apostles' Creed. It, it's what we believe. This is who we believe Jesus is. No matter what's happening in our world, this is who we believe. You see, our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, but he is a God of new beginnings. And as we sing this age-old song, I, I just believe there's some here this morning who'd say, it's time for a new chapter. It's time for a new chapter. It might be that like Peter, God's just lifting up your head, filling you with courage and grace and forgiveness. It might be like, Paul, you're getting flat on your backside, God. Only you can do this, God. You've got to write this second chapter. This second chapter's got to be all about you and a whole lot less about me and my inadequacies. Or, or maybe it's like John in the midst of just world spinning out of control. You just need to see. Jesus as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I don't know what it is, but we just want to stand with you and pray with you this morning because let's believe God has given some second chances here and he's writing some chapter twos. He's writing a new chapter.
I'm just going to get our prayer team and our pastoral team to come down the front. And uh, if you're here today, you just say, hey, I need, with all that's going on, I need just a new revelation of Jesus. I want that new life. I want that new chapter. Just come. Let these guys uh, pray uh, for you this morning. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and our locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au.